Hello. Welcome to the sixth episode of my literary analysis podcast, Night Reader. Today's episode will be quite different from my usual setup. Today is all about you guys. However, I'd like to begin with something I've written for you all. A word of inspiration for others and myself. Something I wrote as I began this podcast and was pondering the concept of inspiration as a whole. Well, let me begin with my short piece before we dive into all of your stories. This piece does not have a title, and I will begin it now. Remember, these words that you create are your own. The pictures you paint and the stories that you tell, though influenced by others, are entirely in your creative grasp. Humbly craft yourself a unique, yet a relatable style, poetic, vague, inviting, dark, and readable. I have my sources of inspiration that, like a tap, I can activate on a creative whim. An everlasting youth fountain of classical texts that I hastily sip from. They set me on a crooked yet a certain path. It's an honest, creeping feeling. The dismay led on by the notion that, in drinking from my text fountain, I may be diluting my sense of all originality. It's a fine line, as fine as salt. That which we balance upon as self-reflective artists. We also confine ourselves within the thick walls of interpretation and speculation. Quite validly so. We as humane artists wish to move and mold the world. How could we reach such a task by the thin means of simplicity and averageness? We must constantly remind ourselves to try at any cost to approach our writings not as the ancient and eager copyist with silk scroll in hand, but rather as the uncultured and impoverished painter. For wildly and without bashfulness, he swings his brush with all the grandeur and precision of a valiant royal knight. In his freshly peeled mind, he's unaware of the greatness that has come before him and completely unmoved by the pressure of criticism. It's an amorous thing, beautiful really, to be ignorant in that way, for then true and unfiltered art will undoubtedly emerge. So what is it inside of us that compels us as God's most intelligent creatures to create? And what initiated the birth of such self-expression? Is it natural in man as a species? Early man began using divine interpretation, communication, or to intentionally inspire or inform. The natural soul seems to fold endlessly in on itself, energizing our physical forms to outward expression. Maybe some simply wish to stamp their signature upon the text of the world. It's an ever-pulling gut wrench that gnaws its way out of us, artistry. Almost acting as a parasite, passing through our vitals to steal our fruitfulness and emerging with our inmost perceptions and understandings of it. Some seek to understand and entirely view their own soul, indistinguishable in a glass reflection. It can do the soul a great deal of good, an artistic episode of self-expression, yet it can tear you down so wholly. We starve ourselves on these illustrations of our lives, 
painstakingly belittling ourselves for not rising to self-set expectations. When you can't fathom to begin to paint what you've seen. When you can visit the image in your mind but fail to express a truthful version of it. We as artists wish to bear our most naked soul, to be truly transparent in our works. How sad it is to be misunderstood or misinterpreted, as the great Herman Melville was during his finest hour in writing of Moby Dick. But the worst for us is a numbing fear that the potential art will never emerge. Thank you so much for listening to what I've had to say. If you felt something from what I've said, please let me know and what you feel about it or if you feel similar. Tell me your outlook and understanding of inspiration. Now we move on to what this episode really consists of, and that's the question I've been passing back and forth with you all. We won't be dissecting Moby Dick today. It will continue in episode 7. Today I want to do something special with my listeners and readers I've spoken with from around the world. I welcome you to listen to my prior episodes to hear what I'm about and what my show is about, what you can expect from me. I explained quite a bit better in my first episode what you will hear and why I'm doing all of this. I'd love for you to go back and listen. If you have been with me this whole way, as I know a few of you have been, thank you so much and you have my utmost gratitude for joining me. The round table of reading has enough chairs for everybody. Now, that being said, today I'll be reading off your guys' favorite books and how they impacted you or opened up your eyes in some way, changed your outlook on the world or yourself. Growing up, our feeble minds soak up what they can in childhood and adolescence, and when we are exposed to reading, we find a new avenue in our minds. Most of us are exposed at a young age, but it is when you pick up the book for yourself and lose yourself in that world, see the book as a movie in your mind, feel like the character is your family. When you read a book and realize the world might not be as bad as you may have thought, or leaves you with a better understanding of humanity, that is what literature can do for us. It inspires us, teaches us, changes us, lights up our imagination. I love to hear other readers' experiences with that special book in their life. It's always a special subject and always genuine. So. Let's talk about our first night reader that was willing to speak with me about their experience. Her name is Sarah S., and she's from the west coast of USA. She feels reading is a great luxury, and I can't disagree with her. A book that spoke to her was one called Primal Fear by William Deal. It is one of the many novels turned into a full-length feature film, a 1993 American thriller about a boy accused of murder and the attorney who defends him. It's a deep book of tension and suspense and mystery. Sarah told me that when she read this book as a young adult, it scared her to the point where she had to put it down or literally threw the book across the room. Can you imagine that? How suspenseful the book must have been to have to tear it away from yourself physically? That's when you know a book can speak volumes. It inspired physical action, no matter how small. Has a book ever inspired you physically? Maybe you read about skydiving and then you tried it. Or maybe you read a story where the main character worked out a bunch and you became more fit in your life. It's so funny and awesome how fictional characters can feel so real and inspire us in real life. Well, thank you so much for your input and read on, Sarah. 
now our second night reader. We have a young man named Eddie G, a great friend of mine who I've known since elementary school when I was introduced to reading. The book he has chosen is one that's impacted him called Silent Planet by C.S. Lewis. I believe the full name has a couple more words in it. It's a science fiction novel published in 1938. It is the first of a cosmic trilogy, a deep dystopian and civil story about space travel and battling worlds. I'll read to you what he has said of the book, as I have never had the pleasure. If you had read this book as well, let me know what you think of what Eddie has said. He tears up when he reads this book. I feel you, man. To him, there is something special about the relationship of the protagonist and his newfound friend that is very touching. C.S. Lewis is an amazing author, and one that has deep roots in all things magical. I look forward to reading this trilogy, and would love to hear what you all have to say about it. It's clear this book has spoken to Eddie on a deep spiritual level. Not many books can do that. So thank you so much, Eddie, for your input. And read on. Our third night reader is Jenna A. She's a woman who is very in touch with her paranormal side and dark essences. She commonly experiences out-of-body or ghostly vibrations. She actually has a podcast of her own called Jenna's Scary Stories, where she describes her experiences in short bursts. Now, as a child, she was a fan of R.L. Stein, which I think we all were. The book that opened her eyes and her life was his story, Secret Admirer. She vividly remembers it to this day and couldn't put it down as a child. It's a book of suspense and horror for young readers. I'm sure you're all familiar with his works. It's a surprisingly dark story of a young woman named Selena who receives threatening letters at school. It's a dark and twisting tale, especially for a young mind. You can clearly see how this book has inspired her, even into adulthood, Jenna focuses on the paranormal side of life. She's very in touch. If that sounds like something you'd like to speak with someone about, go find her on Podbean or Facebook. Thank you so much, Jenna, for your input. And read on. Our fourth night reader is my cousin, Angel A. I love you, man. And thank you for speaking with me. My cousin is a trucker who's always on the road in tough weather and conditions. Wish him the best for me in his reading and his travels. His response to my question was very sweet and humbling. He brought me back to my childhood. The book that he remembers is Franklin Goes to School by Paulette Borges, or Borgo, I don't know how you say her last name, published in 1995. If you were a child in this era, you definitely remember Franklin, the green turtle who taught us all life lessons in his books and television show. These books were so softly written and so full of love and beautiful art. The lessons often involved social skills like being shy or going to school. Angel said that this book gave him strength and willingness to be his best at school when he felt he didn't fit in. For a book to do this for a young child is a miraculously wonderful thing. I hope that the author knows this. I'm sure that she does. But that is a true inspiration and action it's changed his state in the physical world. Just words. So let that sink in. And reflect on your own experiences. You may be remembering things you had forgotten. Well, thank you so much for your input, Angel. And read on. 
Our fifth night reader is Andrew A. He's from the East Coast of USA. And the book he has chosen is called The Four Agreements by Don Ruiz. He tells me that he was still pretty young when his brother recommended it to him. He said it changed his outlook and attitude on life. He believes that this book is meant to be a guide for personal freedom. It's all about the four rules that you should follow that could potentially help you have a better life, live a happier life. He feels he doesn't always follow these four rules because of human nature getting in the way. Nobody can be perfect, so that's okay, Andrew. We all make mistakes even when we know what's right. He also tells me he loved writing fantasy stories in elementary school and learning about history sparked his imagination. Again, the book, The Four Agreements. The book describes itself as a practical guide to personal freedom and is a sort of a self-help book. It's all about life lessons, kind of like commandments that you can follow to help you live a better life. Books like this are awesome to read as a young reader because it gives you insight to an adult mind. Any book that speaks to you in some way and makes you want to be a better person, well, that's a good and respectable book in my opinion. Thank you for your cooperation, Andrew, and read on. Our sixth night reader is Christian M. from the southern region of USA. He's a very old friend of mine, probably the oldest surviving one family man like myself that has always been a voice of reason in my life. He tells me he didn't start reading for himself until he got to be a teen, around middle school. The book he has chosen is one that a few others have chosen today as well, a book called The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. Now most of us know this story to be an incredible coming-of-age tale, published in 1967 by a young woman of only 15 years old. It's a book that many young readers hold highly, and rightfully so. It gives great insight into young minds and just how advanced they can be. The book follows the main character, Ponyboy Curtis, as he's in the middle of two rival greaser gangs. Christian tells me he still thinks of the story to this day. The quotes that stick out in his mind are, Stay gold, Ponyboy, and nothing gold can stay. This book is a constant reminder that his kids... Everything seems to be golden, but we sometimes grow out of that mental state. But saying something to remind himself, like, stay golden, has always taught him to remember the child's spirit. Even as we age and our problems change, he feels it's important to not dwell on the negativity, but to try to see the world as great, as golden. It's a great life lesson, something that stuck with him and always will. A book has helped him be a better man as many of these books have done for other readers. And that's really awesome. Thank you so much for your input, Christian. And read on. Our seventh night reader for today is Rich K. from Northern California. A childhood friend of mine, we grew up obsessing over video games and comics together. We only recently reconnected over the game Kingdom Hearts 3. He's spoken to me about a couple of books, the first being the Inkheart series by Cornelia Funk. Or Funk, I'm not sure exactly how to say it. They are young adult fantasy novels, and he says that, in a way, it showed him the power of words and reading. That's what a book should do to a young emerging mind, I believe. It's a book that is literally about literature, and the main characters have the special power of bringing characters from books to life by reading the book aloud. An incredibly insightful concept 
and it makes me sad that I haven't read it. But I definitely will soon, Rich. And thank you for your recommendation. I wish I had more to say of it. But I am so glad that it has impacted you in a positive way. He also mentioned the sci-fi novels, the Ender's Game series. If he wants to laugh, he'll read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He loves quirky storytelling, and his tastes are geared towards science fiction and fantasy for sure. And if I know Rich, he loves a well-built world with background lore. Well, thank you so much for your input, Rich, and read on. Our seventh night reader for today is Bob Kay. He tells me that the book he has chosen is also The Outsiders. I am sure that he feels the same way that many of us do, and I wish I had more to elaborate on. But thank you so much for your input, Bob, and your response at all. I hope you continue to tune in and read on. Our eighth night reader for today is Linda O. Oh. She has told me that the book she's chosen is The Secret Garden by Frances Burnett. It's a classic novel released in 1911. It's considered a classic of English children's literature. She tells me that this book ignited her imagination as a young reader, and rightfully so. The book carries themes of rejuvenation and explores the concepts of neglect and care. How if living things are cared for, they will thrive. And how something close to death can be revived if cared for enough. It's a deep book, especially for children. And it involves death and an orphan girl who's discovering a secret garden. The book has a wealth of lessons and picturesque moments. A great recommendation for readers of all ages. I'm glad this book has touched you in that way. And thank you so much for your response, Linda O. Read on. Our ninth night reader for today is a man named Tom G. His reply was short but sweet, and his chosen book is Where the Wild Things Are, written by Maurice Sendek and published in 1963. This book is a classic in many of our eyes, and I'm sure it would have been many other readers' answers to a story that moved them as children. Almost everyone has read this book or had it read to them by a parent or teacher. We know it to be a children's picture book with meanings deeper than one may expect from a regular children's book. And as Tom says, there is more to it than meets the eye. At first glance, this is a story of a young boy, completely alone and enveloped in his overactive imagination. It's a wondrous, short work of an incredible mind. The book can be perceived in many different ways and follows the boy as he becomes bored with his own imagination after being completely developed in it. It's a deeper story than many of us give it credit, especially as children. Let's all go back and read it and see where we stand now. Let me know what you think of it, reading it as an adult. Thank you so much for your response, Tom, and read on. Our tenth night reader for today is Elizabeth C. The book she has chosen is The Chestry Oak by Kate Sarity, published in 1948. It's described as a children's novel of historical fiction, one that people say is just as moving as fantasy stories, such as The Chronicles of Narnia. It seems to be one that will linger with you forever. Well, Elizabeth tells me that she feels the book is somewhat underrated, and she may be right as I had never heard of it myself. She tells me this, and these are her words. I quote Elizabeth now. I was nine or ten when I read it, and it hit me like a steam train. 
making me suddenly aware of how secure my life was and how drastically that could change. It's an insightful, touching story, told from the point of view of its very young protagonist and stunningly illustrated by the author. Memorable, you might say, because I haven't been for 10 or several decades now." Unquote. Wow, what a great response and synopsis, Eliza. It seems this book really put things into perspective for her and made her realize how great some of us have it. I believe it helped her to have a great appreciation of everything she had. A book that lets you in on another person's struggles, ones that you may never imagine. It reminds me, the description at least, of the book called Number the Stars. Well, I think it's wonderful that a book has stuck with you for so long and that it helped you to have a great appreciation for life, a greater appreciation. Thank you so much for your response, Elizabeth C. And read on. Our 11th night reader for today is Crystal L. She has spoken of a couple books, the first being the Magic Treehouse series which is the book I chose as well. She also mentions Charlotte's Web, a classic many are familiar with, written by E.B. White and published in 1952. It's a children's story with many themes throughout the novel. She also mentions the book Babe the Gallant Pig by Dick Smith, published in 1983, also children's fiction. She tells me of a heartbreaking scene about a pig and a gun, where the pig is entirely oblivious that he's in danger at all. In fact, he thinks he's about to be fed. So, perspective, a huge concept for us all. And exploring the personification of animals is very interesting and something that is great to do, especially for a young reader. It lends humanity to these creatures and often softens our outlooks on them. I'm not very familiar with this book and I hate to say this, but I saw the movie as a child. Quick side note, I do love the movie's soundtrack, specifically the song That'll Do Pig by Peter Gabriel. My favorite musician. Well, one of them at least. I wish that I had more to say on this. I hope Crystal will enlighten me. Thank you so much for your input, Crystal. And read on. Our twelfth night reader for today is Karima M. The book she's chosen is the Twilight series. She tells me that she read these as a teenager and it opened her eyes up to reading. We all know these books to be romantic fantasy novels. And I suppose that can be a niche genre. These books and movies are wildly popular though, and the reason it resonated with her as a young reader was imagining all the situations and growing her imagination, making close connections with characters and putting herself in their shoes. It can be an incredible experience the first time it happens to you when you identify with a character. For me most recently I've connected deeply with Ishmael from Herman Melville's novel Moby Dick. Anyway, this book opened up a whole new avenue in her life, and she began writing her own romantic stories. How cool is that? And what a great feeling to be inspired. Thank you so much for your input, Karima. And read on. Love you. Our 13th night reader for today is Manny C. He tells me when he was very young, he had a book given to him called Manny's Cat. It wasn't a personalized book, just a coincidence. Anyways, he placed himself in the book as it was read to him. It always stuck with him. When he was a bit older, he read Rumpelstiltskin on his own at school. He bought it 
took it home from a book fair and read it over and over again. The mystery and fantasy of the story opened his mind creatively. Awesome how he still remembers it in that way. He still remembers the pictures, he tells me. He most recently read Illusions by Richard Bach, one of my all-time favorites that I'll be moving through after Moby Dick, most likely. Amazing choices, Manny, and thank you for your response. Read on. So it looks like that's everybody who was able to respond to me and talk with me about the books that uh, moved them. And I'd like to thank you all, anybody who spoke with me, anybody who I mentioned, anybody who gave me a response, uh, or who watched my video, or who listened to my show, um, but especially those who responded and were willing to be on this episode. Um, I hope you enjoy hearing yourself, and uh, if you want to talk more with me about it, if you want to come on the show, actually, and we could talk about um, anything, really, as long as it involves literature, I'd love to have you. Um, but thank you so much. We see a vast array of different inspirations and backgrounds and books. Um, we just see so many different life situations and people being developed by these literature piece, uh, by these pieces of literature. Um, it's truly astounding to me, and it's a beautiful thing that I love to focus on. I love to see and hear people's different experiences with these books. And I especially like to see when one book has different meanings to different people. I think that's really cool. I encourage you all to read on and read the books that you've heard in this episode. Um, I'd love more recommendations. And if you'd like to tell your friends or family about this show and tell them to reach out to me so I could talk about their books that they like, please do that. And um, this is my first episode of this format, so it will get better, uh, more in depth. But I, like I said, I do hope you guys enjoyed it. Next week, we'll be diving right back into Moby Dick, where we left off in episode five. Anybody willing to come on this journey of literary magic and exploration is welcome. I'd love for you to come aboard. And like I said, the table's plenty large enough for all of us. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you all. I wish you guys the best. And I hope you have an awesome book ahead of you soon. I know that you do. This episode was produced and created by Dylan C. So go on. Drop your swords. Pick up your pens and reading spectacles. Let us read on.